0: Mike, Mike, and Hunter.
1: Welcome once again to another episode of Mike Mike and Oscar we have a lo- like there are sometimes we say we have a loaded Oscar race checkpoint and y- you, you've been here dear listener we stretch but we have a loaded <laughs> Oscar race checkpoint there is no time to dilly dally we have all sorts of festival news all sorts of new movie news to talk about industry news and awards news I am your co-host Mike one co-host also Mikey's here so I guess like mm-hmm. what's uh what's been going on with you man?
0: <laughs> this is the intro that you yeah. yeah. pushed me uh into just like basically you know holding you're holding like a lit piece of paper and you just you just threw it at me like a phone book yeah. do, do people still no time know what phone to books waste are? mike just you took a lit you lit it on fire and then you threw it to me in this yeah. intro and then, it's what am I not supposed to do? A second can
1: be wasted here, so how's your life? What's new?
0: <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think I'm worn down by mm-hmm. children uh, <laughs> working with them. Otherwise, I am a roller coaster of emotions about the movie world, the industry, and certainly the film festival. Uh, hype is getting to me, which I love this mm-hmm. time of year, but I'm also bracing for impact because. You and I aren't the parade-going folk. We're not yeah. some of those. So we're a little hesitant to, you know, strip naked and join the parade. Yeah,
1: this is the time of year where it's like, I can walk again for the first time in 25 years
0: because I saw a Dune on film. <laughs> That's you right. So. Yeah, so... The magical healing powers of some of these films (laughs) will be touted all weekend. And we're just starting it. We're just reacting to day one of Venice. We're reacting to the Telluride and London Film Fest lineups. I'll let you guys know what my New York Film Festival schedule is going to be. I'm excited about all of it. But I'm also bracing with languishing fear and and sorrow at the fact that these films will inevitably disappoint us uh, as well. Yes. Well,
1: they, we're going to see that at the end of this episode too, as a, <laughs> you know, presumed might-be contender you saw and
0: like yeah. a, a lot of people
1: you were not enthralled with, but it's something that you, uh, credit to you, you raise concerns and worries about that. We'll talk about that as we do a quick uh, Make the Case segment at the end of this Oscar race checkpoint, but yeah, let's talk about some of the contenders who had their first looks released before we get into the festivals themselves. The su- had its first preview come out. This is the Florian Zeller follow-up to what Anthony Hopkins won his most recent Oscar for in The Father. What do we think about The
0: Son, Mike? Well, we need to talk about Kevin uh, because <laughs> he's a murderer, right? I, like, Look, I think this film will not disappoint because of the premise laid out very clearly in this movie. I, I mean, I'm a little confused about how Hugh Jackman knows his son's a murderer, I'm pretty sure. And the, the, the mother just, like, pops up. Laura Dern just pops up. Is this, and they're estranged. But then he's, like, later talking to the kid, I've done everything for you. Why would you set your... If you're talking to a serial murderer, why would you give him, like, this impossible ultimatum of, I dare you to find something wrong with my parenting all these years?
1: I, I still... I don't get like murder from this preview. I don't. I'm, you're so sure that this kid is actual just like a killer.
0: Look, I was I was sure that there are were werewolves. Right, in that's the decision to
1: so. Questioning. That's why I'm question. That is exactly why I'm questioning. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that this kid is a serial murderer. Not just he's killed and he'll he will kill again, <laughs> unless Hugh Jackman <laughs> and Laura Dern stop him.
1: I mean. You you say you're confused about some of the characters popping up in there. Like, based on the father, which came before it, it's possible we're dealing with actual characters who aren't here at all in reality, right? I mean, like, full disclosure, I, I don't know if that's a spoiler for the father because I don't remember if we had full-fledged characters who didn't really exist in that movie. So
0: I don't remember it, either.
1: Right. If you're in your car right now yelling at this podcast saying, you're spoiling the movie. Well, joke's on you, sir. You're spoiling the movie. Maybe we it's, are. I don't maybe remember not. It. So it's not a
0: spoiler. We just yeah. said maybe. Just a man staring at a microphone asking
1: for it to turn into a pizza. It's <laughs> This looks intriguing. I don't get murderous son we need to talk about Kevin, but I love that movie. You had hesitations about it. So if it
0: is that, I'm all for this. How about his grandfather, though? Anthony Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Probably a a serial murdering grandfather, having already (laughs) killed hundreds. So you're just turning the entire family into... (laughs) Unbeknownst to anyone, but the grandson with Uh the same proclivities. I see. You know, for ruining lives and consuming hum- human flesh. I, I, now I'm jumping. You're, I'll give you that. I'm probably jumping to conclusions on the cannibalism factor here. Yeah. But this could be the long-awaited sequel to Thomas Harris novels that we've all been that I've all been waiting for. I mean, <laughs> Hugh Jackman will be eaten by his own son to finish this film, where the grandfather looks on this you know, rite of passage for his grandson. And therefore, the, s- the son is a double entendre.
1: What, uh, <laughs> what, what movie do you think you're watching here, man? Like Cannibal Holocaust?
0: The son of Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> <Dutifully>. Well done.
1: <laughs> the Swimmers, we've previewed it a couple times. It had its trailer dropped today. I mean, international feature player, it feels like for me from this trailer, this actually gave me the same vibes. What was that movie years ago when MMO first started that was like three hours long on Netflix that we had to sit through?
0: Good God, man. Doing it early. Is this the Angelina Jolie Yes. Yes. That's exactly the one I'm thinking of. So we're close now. So now I can IMDb. Angelina, this is supposed to be at the end of the episode, didn't you? Right,
1: no, starting this, hot. This prompt, is not at a the moment end to waste
0: in this episode. Every episode. <laughs> we have no now time I got to click on director to beat around the
1: bush. First no time they to killed waste. my father. Yes. First
0: they killed my father. Yes,
1: I don't know why. It's not at all the same source material. Nothing, or story. nothing like it. No. Absolutely not. But I, that's the vibe I got
0: from watching this trailer. Uh. Not at all. Not uh, at you, all. You, you I disagree got... heavily. I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I you basically parodied at one of our trailer reviews in the last segment. I think the sun will be good. I also think the swimmers will be good. And I'm not going parody here because. I'm like near tears watching this teaser, Michael. I don't know how it hits you, but we have two kids on a raft in the middle of the ocean. They are escaping war-torn Syria. Uh, They're amongst a group of people, and then we flash to them later on their own in the middle of the ocean. Now, these are Olympic swimmers. Did they have to swim to survival, for survival? Did they get rescued? I got to know their story because then we flash forward to all the Olympic stuff at the 2016 Mm. games in Brazil. And one of the sisters is clearly, you know, uh, going through her trauma with all these glimpses of, of what she's been through already. She obviously has PTSD as she's just traveling through the streets there. And all of this is just to this beautiful reprisal of Titanium from Sia and David Guetta. My heart is in my throat, buddy. I think I'm
1: guarded because you raised the concern against Thirteen Lives, saying how tough it is sometimes to make water rescues and dives seem cinematic. And you were mm-hmm. absolutely right when I watched that movie. I, you know, I felt like it, I mean, it's just a difficult thing to do. Right. And that seems to be the basis of this
0: as well. So maybe I'm well, just guarded against that. Perhaps, but if it's a flashback backstory, right? right? The long yeah, journey I mean, it, to it freedom. Yeah. If this okay. isn't Castaway. Right, and we we're gonna have races. I mean, this is gonna be about them at the Olympics. So you're gonna have a cinematic finality built in, with mm-hmm. a ticking clock, literally. There did I say literally twice in a row? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but I, I think this has got potential. Obviously, it's gotten the, uh, you know, the badge of approval from the industry right now. It's opening up both Tiff and Zurich, which was yeah. announced this past week. So the swimmers. Netflix might have a hefty Oscar contender on their hands here. I look forward to being completely wrong on First Instinct
1: about that one. I hope you're I hope you're right. Your feeling about that is right. Uh, saw another contender that seems to be universally at least building anticipation for the animated feature category, Wendell and Wilde. We had two clips released, both promoting the same website, but uh, Wendell and Wilde, we had our first look at it.
0: So it's fun. There's a boombox with an eyeball for a sound... Uh... What do they call that? The the sound great or whatever? What? What? You you know audio technology, and particularly that of the nineteen eighties and nineties. What do they call the foam stuff on the edge of a boombox anyway? uh, I'll I'll wait. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, there's a boombox with an eyeball in place of whatever the boombox amp is. The amp. The amp. There you go. The amp, whatever. Uh, all right. So there's a eyeball there. Did, did I establish yeah, I think this?
1: You've yeah, you've Yeah, you've the
0: done that. The camera <laughs> zooms into that eyeball slash boombox amp to begin each clip, which is I, so cool. I, we, get, we get an anthology? Is this an anthology thing? It very much may be. You have the Key and peel characters in one clip where they have, like, this magical evil shaving cream mm-hmm. that unsquishes a bug. Mm-hmm. And the bug is whole and crawling around at the end of it, big and definitively giant juicy. One of those two characters is Wendell. <laughs> I guess so. But you got this big, giant, juicy Timon and Pumbaa bug yep. that does uh, claymated, and it's great. And then that you have the teaser, this yep. this other clip of a young girl breaking into her classroom in the middle of the night, where she finds this rocking teacher's desk with a drawer glowing in neon green and she opens it w- to a teddy bear in a yellow dress with neon blue eyes that she calls Bearsabub.
1: Jordan Peele <laughs> loves his classrooms, doesn't he? I mean, is that the classroom from us? <laughs> there <you> so, go. <laughs> it, this is claymation, but it can't be purely. If this is pure claymation, this is the greatest claymation achievement in the history of the medium and it should it's worthy of an Oscar right now because the way that girl was running down the hallway, that's got to be mocap. It's got the way her limbs were flailing and the, the mm-hmm. realism in her face moving. She's slipping and sliding because it's a waxed floor. That, that looks like motion capture. But if it's not, my lord, uh, if it's pure claymation, more power to everyone and all the creators. But mm-hmm. I have no idea what this is about.
0: I, I'm, I'm anticipating it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my That's my take that you come here for. The hot fire. Well, I mean, we talked to Eric Weber, who was thinking Netflix is going to go hard at animation, best animated feature mm-hmm. this year. So let's hope. But all right, let's get back to the best picture race, Michael. Right, right. Because the more we, have, stuff here. we have weird, the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean to make fun of it. I love this trailer so much. I have to get Roku now, darn it. I mean, screw everyone. This is the best picture of the year. Okay. I know we're joking about
1: this, right? But No, no, shut up. <laughs> but <laughs> how is this not a legitimate Oscars contender just based on this? Pre- like, I, they don't just stick with me for a second. Okay. Like, yeah. maybe not for best picture. OK, maybe not for best picture anywhere other than the Mike, Mike and Oscars end of year show. But <laughs> costume design and hair and makeup, they have to get consideration based on how Madonna and Al and the band looks in this trailer. Right.
0: What if Weird Al, for the Oscars campaign, he parodies every single one of the best original songs? And he puts them in a polka? Oh, my God. Mike, what if he does that? Yes. Because he does that with every single CD.
1: I, I guess it wouldn't be an original. But would it be an Boy, that would break the Oscars. <laughs> but if... If 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 the Wuhan flu or whatever that 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 song from Borat too <laughs> <laughs> was given serious merit as an original song entry that made the shortlist, you would think that if Weird Al comes out with something, it's got to It's going to be creative. It's going to be top tier musically, as all his stuff always is. We could have a legitimate Oscars picture here.
0: <laughs> I was dying watching this trailer. This is so funny to me. I mean, the kid is at the the dinner table with the parents and the mother. Your dad and I agreed it would be best to to stop being who you are and doing the things you love. (laughs) unquote <laughs> you're never gonna make it dewey <laughs> yeah well that's that's
1: exactly the parallel richard newby was on uh twitter saying this is going to be this generation's walk hard i think my sarcasm meter was way off because when i first watched this trailer i thought it was going to be like yes a zany prolifery, but i thought we were getting like an actual weird al biopic here yeah Am I that off? Like, is this not yeah. going to be at all truthful, you think?
0: I think Madonna is a bad influence on you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody, like, I'm just laughing at this entire trailer, even with the stupid gag at the end with the cigarette. Just, I cannot wait for this film, and I I am going to get Roku now because of this oh, yeah. one movie. In my head, this is all just Al and Madonna's
1: elaborate way to tell the world that they uh, did, in fact, sleep together at one point. <laughs> And like, good for him, good for her, what a way to
0: tell the world, I'm in. I can't wait for weird. All right, let's get into the Venice Film Festival opening day. That's all we got so far. Uh, Bardo reviews are starting to come out today while we're recording this, but uh, we don't really get a sense of, of what's happening with the day two stuff yet. But White Noise... Open the festival, Michael, and we did get some first reactions here. Uh, This is from Robbie Collin of the Daily Telegraph. If Netflix are pruning back their riskier output, we should be glad that this managed to slip out the door first. Wow, that's a... That is a film review. That is a critic sentence right there. I love that, don't yeah. you? Very nice. <laughs> Very nicely done and well put by Robbie Collin there. That is speaking to us. The next one is, as a movie, white noise announces its themes loudly and proudly, but the trouble is that it announces them more than it makes you feel them. That is Owen Gleiberman of Variety, so a negative review there.
1: I would never be allowed in their club or at their table <laughs> in any event because I don't come close to their prestige but just based purely on movie digestion and temperament alone David Ehrlich Owen Gleiberman and
0: I should be forced to live in a small apartment together for like a year (laughs) and make it a sitcom or make it (laughs) no make it a half make it a half hour because I can't do a a half hour Hulu drama that's what I'm ready for. (laughs) it'd be the odd couple except we'd all just be the grumpy one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this naughty film full of contradictions may initially strike as messy but bomb back, sturdy direction and fearless writing will captivate anyone game for the challenge of keeping up that is marshall schaefer of decider so the grumpy one seems to Describe this movie in a way, Michael. We have White Noise with an early 81% on 16 initial reviews, but a bit more polarizing, I would say, and many have said, for a, like an opening nighter of a film festival. The Hitler Professor
1: uh, movie, <laughs> I would imagine, would be a little polarizing. But yeah, I mean, if you know, we all know why we're actually here because White Noise gave us our first entry into the Venice standing ovation race, which despite what Chris Evangelista says, is the reason one makes a film in the first place. We know this. The most important part of making a movie is timing the standing ovation. We've talked about that numerous times here on Mike, Mike and Oscar. Uh, A mere 150 seconds. Certainly nothing that will go down in film Festival standing ovation lore how dare that crowd give a normal amount of time towards celebrating a movie and then just move on with their day as if they had something better to do with the preceding 20 minutes or so but that's our that's your first update that's your first official unofficial official film festival standing ovation record keepers update from Mike Mike and Oscar
0: thank you for including that I forgot <laughs> to put that in here so you remembered it you know uh, verbatim by by just a uh, f- photographic memory there. Two and a half minutes is, is good. It's fine for a film's I reception. I love that he got yeah. it down to the second. I'm so <laughs> grateful to him there at Variety. And again, he's pandering to a a, a group of two. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mr. Seduta. All right, Tar. We have uh, basically the Adam Driver, Kate Blanchett, Opening days here at at, uh, at Venice with a ton of buzz for both these movies. And Tar is just getting rave reviews. Yes. Uh, I'm also very excited. I'm going to be able to see this in New York, so I'm pretty pumped there. But we had Little Gold Men coming out with their review this morning from Vanity Fair saying Kate Blanchett may very well uh, be en route to her third Oscar. She's going to be in every scene and she's said to be doing some wor- some of her best work of her career there. Uh, it's also supposedly a definitive movie about celebrity one of the more powerful films uh, coming out of the Me Too movement with that premise being something that uh, is a bit abrasive but something that Cate Blanchett says will be as thought-provoking as anything you're going to find, but this is not a likable character, Mm. let's just say, with Cate Blanchett. Seems to not matter as much lately in terms of if you're going for one
1: of the lead acting uh, awards. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix Joker did win him the Oscar there, but uh, we'll more on that th- potential third Oscar win for Kate in a little bit. David Ehrlich, the man himself for IndieWire. Tar is one of the boldest and most exciting new American movies I've seen in years. I can't stop thinking about it. Todd Field, exclamation point. Kate Blanchett, exclamation point, exclamation point.
0: Lydia Tar, three exclamation points. Uh, the grumpy couple, the grumpy trio. What are we gonna call this? I'm not good at titles. Trio just, just of grumps. The odd
1: couple. Just sucker people in with nostalgia, and then wallop them with a the right hook of and reality. Just have
0: three roommates, just because. No explanation whatsoever. <laughs> but for a grumpy critic, he loved this movie. Yeah. He's got a lot of exclamation points in there, like you said. Uh, the, the last one here from Owen Gleiberman, a grumpy critic, critic who did not like the last movie, says. Kate Blanchett acts with ferocious force in Todd Fields' masterful drama about a celebrity conductor. That's the headline to the Variety article and the, the review from Gleiberman there.
1: All Ehrlich, Gleiberman, and I want, all we expect out of any movie we watch is mm-hmm. the greatest cinematic feat to ever grace our eyes. That's it. <laughs> That's all we want. And if it's not that, everyone should be shamed for it. <laughs>
0: Uh, how about their headline on the website, though? I a love tar, it. A tar is born. Beautiful job. <laughs> Great job, Variety. Love Variety. it. Variety <laughs> stepping up their game. Finally, we have the poll quote from Marshall Schaefer of Slash Film being Tar is a Kate Blanchett masterclass. I mean, so I don't know what more hype we
1: could have for this. I mean, maybe something more measured first reaction to the bunch. We have the the retweeted poll quote from Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian that reads, I am not sure that all the film's desperate and intriguing ticks and hints and feints all come satisfactorily together, but what a colossal performance from Kate Blanchett. This is, right. I mean,
0: this is this year's... I already forget the name of it, but Kristen Stewart is Diana, right? Spencer. Yeah, we we know there is a running precedent now that every – actress that rules venice wins the oscar this is established now throughout the years uh in the lido it's lido zero, or libo libido zero, yeah there's zero lido.
1: deterrence and deference and you know straying away there, from the path yeah no bumps in the road
0: it's gonna be smooth <laughs> driving here just like we're on a gondola with i was born blind Italian.
1: and denny neville waves noon made me see again
0: we nothing will go wrong uh here to forthwith for the oscar campaign of kate blanchett no this is fun though this is fun we got an early front runner it's kate blanchett and lead actress that's very cool it's it could be her third uh oscar win and i'm really excited to see her at new york i got 11 films that i'm gonna get tickets for corsage master gardener Triangle of Sadness, Tar, and Stars at Noon. So I'm going to do a day of Triangle of Sadness, followed by Tar, followed by the Claire You're Denis film. Eat so much comfort food to feel better about yourself after those movies. It's a two. I'm taking a day. It's a 2.30 start for Triangle of Sadness. So that means I could get a, get up there, hang out for like an hour at PJ Clark's. So I can mm. have, like, two meals if I want. I got a lot of time. I'm used to going 20 minutes, eat and leave, <laughs> in and out. But, oh, my goodness. But here's the thing. I can't get something until after Tar. I got to see back-to-back Triangle of Sadness and Tar. I won't have time to eat in between, so I'll get me some, something good. And then I'll eat again before Claire Denise stars at noon. Now, my, my big day is I'm going to do After Sun, Bones and All, One Fine Morning, and Decision to Leave. That'll be a Saturday for me. And then I'll finish with a couple of double-feature nights, I think. One that I'm definitely going to do is R.M.N. and Ennis Men, which is a uh, a horror movie by, by all accounts. So uh, I'll be doing the encore screenings. But that's my New York Film Festival's plan as of now, people. If anybody wants to join me, or if you want to join me, if uh, you're a slow walker, somebody told me, but I would like to. Somebody I still tolerate this.
1: Yes. Yeah. But if, I was I was I was taken off guard by that. I didn't expect that. Uh, yeah. No.
0: I, I heard that myself somewhere once. Somebody told me. So right. I just heard rumor that you walk really slow and you don't have the necessary speed for New York uh, mm. walking. Mm. And this will be funny, because I'll get hit by a car as we're walking <laughs> together, and I'll just be like, this is how you got to do it. And I'll be like the, you know, the the tourist who thinks he knows what he's doing and just yeah. get slammed, and you just will laugh so the hard, Dustin you won't even Hoffman. come to help Well, me. you were walking here, Joe. <laughs>
1: um, talk about Kate Blanchett in that quest for that third Oscar, though. Let's... <laughs> Take aside Walter Brennan, who won all three of his statues for supporting roles and all of prior to the end of World War II. Among all the other actors who have won three Oscars, here's what their careers looked like on the night of their third win. I bring this up because I'm going to talk about Cate Blanchett making history in a number of ways if she does ride this Venice wave through a third Academy win. There's the all-timer, Connecticut's own Katherine Hepburn, won the third of her four Oscars at the age of 61 on her 11th nomination. Meryl was 62 when she won her third Oscar on her 17th nomination. Jack was 60, winning for his third Oscar on his 11th nomination. Ingrid Bergman was 59, winning it on her 6th nomination. Frances McDormand, most recently, was 63, winning it on her 6th nomination. Now, I bring all this up to mention, should Cate Blanchett win her third Oscar here for TAR this year? It would be her third win on her 7th nom at the age of 53 which is nearly a full decade prior to the point which any other actor in history had won their third, aside from Daniel Day-Lewis, who was 55 when he won his third on uh, his fifth nomination. So, truly, truly rarefied air for Cate Blanchett to enter into here, if she does pull this off and ride this momentum all the way to another Oscars win. We've mentioned, you said it, you highlighted it, there's bumps in the road, the Venice hype does not always necessarily equal Oscar's love, but this certainly sounds like something that's going to be the favorite until it is unseated.
0: Yeah, it's uh, an early favorite, which puts her in a position of strength and of... uh... You know, if there's any holes in the performance, if there's any holes in the subject matter, so obviously people are going to have some issues, perhaps, with the fact that a straight man is is making a me too drama about a, a an offending, abusive female character, perhaps. Uh, that was mentioned on uh, Little Gold Men this morning, I don't know. I think, we'll yeah, have but to that, see it for that's going to be
1: certainly more to do with the movie than the. I mean, it sounds like people are already starting to separate the performance from the. Issue like even in the reviews that we read here, which was only a handful of them, people want to root for Kate Blanchett.
0: Yeah, I'm plagiarizing and paraphrasing that podcast, but they also said that this was originally written for a man, but then she just took hold of the the character so strongly hmm. in the pre-production that they're like, we can, you know, we'll write it for her. Of course, we should. And, and you know, who cares about the general gender roles in this instance? Yeah. It, it matters. She's gonna she's gonna do so great with it. So. Yeah, let's go. I think uh, I think we're ready. Hopefully, it's a deaf touch. I mean, he's had sixteen years since his last film, Mister Field, mm. uh, and he's two for two in my book. So let's uh, I, in the bedroom and little. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, good God, Michael! Giants? Are you, are, are you on Little Giants? That's correct. Let's <laughs> let's leave field. it there. Little Giants movie. Little men. What was the movie he <laughs> little did? Little Children. Little children. I was I was half right. The annexation of Puerto Rico it's a terrible play. film but a great film uh i don't as I will don't, tarby yeah. nothing's terrible that ed o'neill does i'll have you know thank you Mike. michael yeah
1: <laughs> bill kramer the new academy president comes out in 2022 the year of our lord <laughs> a full three years after *Parasite* smashed the glass ceiling and won the academy's best picture prize we finally have the academy president saying our future is with international cinema yeah I would say so. Uh, Thanks for living in the moment there, Mr. Kramer, but this is a drum we've obviously been pounding since before Parasite did what it did. I'd... I mean, international sim- cinema is awesome. We've been talking about it. You especially have been talking about it for a while. I would point specifically to especially French cinema and especially, especially what we've been talking about ad nauseum for international film, South Korean cinema for oh, yeah. past decade plus now. The technique is there. The storytelling is there. Using movies as a tool to bridge the cultural gap has always been and should always be one of the ideals of the medium to me. Uh, there's no better way to utilize that end. I think this is hopefully... Mr. Kramer sending a message to the voters to be like, hey, echoing what Bong Joon-ho said at the Academy Awards a couple years ago, stop turning your nose up when you see the one-inch line of uh, closed captioning or, or translation. Or Why can't I think of the word right now, Mike? Subtitles.
0: Subtitles. Thank you. You don't even realize they're there. That's what a, a cinephile you are. But <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> but or no. you're
0: bilingual in many Right, uh, different uh, ways, but I think uh, I think this is cool that Bill Kramer is embracing this sentiment. Uh, it's you know he's preaching to the choir at an international film festival, of course, with Venice. But it is fun that he's he's making such a rousing speech, and let's uh, let's hope that you know this is a smart play for the Oscars. It's not just it's not just good PR. It's good business. We hope for the Oscars to bring a global stage for this award show and make it like a global uh, film awards super bowl let's do that Wouldn't and that be fun with the monopolization of american studios
1: highlighting and focusing being hyper focused on both streaming and comic book movies i guess not, that's being too too probably harsh uh, i say let's say uh ip which is guaranteed to churn a profit let's say right the stories that you want the studios to pour money into, they're not really being made at that great of a clip anymore. Yes. I mean, we've talked about how Netflix is kind of the home of the independent cinema. And I mean, Hulu's had their moments. A24 obviously is still doing their part in kind of a throwback uh, studio as they are, but there's just not, you don't see universal churning out the stuff that they used to. You don't see WB churning out the stuff that they used to in that regard. You do see it in international cinema.
0: You do. You absolutely do. And it's celebrated for an entire season at these film festivals. Uh, and and that's with uh, domestic North American film festivals as well, which is why it's so cool to be you know, close to New York, at least in, in our case. So I cannot wait to see a bunch of international films at the New York Film Festival. Uh, my brother and I keep doing the South Korean weekend watch-a-thon kind of things. Mm. We watched The Housemaid this past weekend. I want to see. I have not watched Ter- that yet. Terrifying. Yeah. I cannot be- that's one of the more uh, just uh, look trigger warning it's disturbing as all hell. Yeah. Oh
1: god. When do you get to audition? When does that come into Oh, play for it, you well there? I've seen it before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, me. I mean it's worth a rewatch. Yeah. You don't want to see a man lick his own vomit out of a dog bowl, is that? <laughs>
0: you too good to watch a man li- <laughs> I yeah, I survived that movie once. I don't know if I I could survive the premise of, of or something that you 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 are bad at premises. That's what I know. You're <laughs> bad at uh, pitching films to people.
1: <laughs> I concentrate on what I con- want to want to concentrate on. Uh, I believe uh, audition, by the way, is a Japanese film, not South Korean. Just yeah, you but
0: record. you you are better at um, reviewing the films than previewing <laughs> the films. But let's talk about previewing some films, and you can review some of the buzz about. Ah. Don't worry, darling. Here we have this strange. Florence Pugh, Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles thing right now, heading to Venice. I yeah. don't know what to make of it. I, I'll i be honest. I've half-assed kind of reading about it. You have mentioned some things that I've glazed over about up till now. I'm not really the gossip type. But what is really going on here with the don't-worry-darling quote-unquote controversies? I mean... Mike, we've had this conversation before. What do you mean you, you don't inundate yourself with
1: celebrity drama overanalyzed by TikTok Gen Zers on a daily basis? What are you in your thirties or something? Oh, <laughs> oh, right. We both are. I'm Nearly ashamed. Over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let me let me recap as best I can because I'm I, I'm not on top of this, but I, I mean it's out there and it's been hammered on film Twitter, especially last weekend uh, mm-hmm. with the the Shia LaBeouf revelations that he put forth, but... The boof. There is a chance... I mean, I want to... We should probably start the headline by saying, you know, if roles were... If the genders were reversed in this, would Olivia Wilde be getting dragged as badly as she is... I think that is a legitimate conversation. There is an, uh, an air of misogyny about all of this. I think there is an air of sexism about all of this, which is all always and far too often is the case when it comes to a woman in the spotlight, which we have commented on and done our best to bring a highlight to as often as we can here on MMO, even though we fall short as much as anybody else does. We don't yeah. do a good enough job of it. Well, but, at
0: least they're going to Venice to get all of this adjudicated, right? So <laughs> they're going to the road.
1: Right. Going, <laughs> yeah. The hotbed of equality. Yeah. Um, (laughs) supposedly there was a air about the relationship between Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde on the Don't Worry Darling set and Florence Pugh who knew that Olivia Wilde was still with Jason Sudeikis was privy to that goings on or rumored goings on and it led to quite the bit of friction between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde and in real life Whenever there has been something promotional coming out about Don't Worry Darling, whether on uh, social media or a new trailer has dropped on YouTube or something, Florence Pugh's Instagram account has, on the same day, dropped something about a different project that she is working on other than promoting the Don't Worry Darling new promotional material. Huh. The tea leaves by that, and I mean, you're dealing with rabid fan bases here. You're dealing with a Harry Styles fan base who doesn't like anyone that Harry Styles is dating to begin with. You're dealing with a Florence Pugh fan base who thinks she's the queen of all things that she is, and they're right. Uh, Olivia <laughs> Wilde has already been chastised to death, already having to combat unfair criticism for her role in the Richard Jewell uh, movie from a couple years ago that we touched on and talked about. Mm-hmm. So she's somebody who's already been a target for hit pieces and controversy, and What have you uh, Attached to all of that going on Within the did she or didn't she illicit affair between Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles Olivia Wilde puts on her full court Oscars press With that big centerpiece That big, you know, flushed out Article in Vanity Fair Of which she is the cover of It's the big cover story for Vanity Fair's I believe it was Vanity Fair's anyway Latest uh, uh, episode My, My words today are not working latest issue Mm -hmm. and a couple days after that issue drops Shia LaBeouf comes out and reveals to Variety these text messages and these videos proving that he was not in fact fired from Don't Worry Darling he left on his own accord and that he has he he showed Variety these videos of Olivia Wilde pleading with him to come back and referring to Florence Pugh as Miss Flo even though there was all kinds of controversy and Uh, reports that Florence Pugh wanted Shia LaBeouf removed because she felt unsafe on set. So why is Olivia Wilde advocating for a person who has a controversial past in the ways that Shia LaBeouf does, forcing Florence Pugh to work with him if he doesn't want... It's just a mess. It really is. That's Hmm. the controversy at the center of this. On top of all of that, it comes out, when all this stuff is done leaking, that Florence Pugh has not agreed to do any promotional coverage for the movie once the movie's out, outside of Venice. The lone coverage she, and promotional touring she's going to do for this is going to be at the Venice Film Festival. She will not be on any of the late night shows. She will not do any interviews, at least as of, you know, last week. It's a long, sorted, messy mishmash of things. And quite frankly, I mean, I tweeted it in jest, but it's true. Like, the behind-the-scenes drama of this movie mm-hmm. has far outweighed whatever the movie drama itself could possibly be, I think. I mean, you could get a mini-series, a, a, a Betty versus Joan type thing, mini-series, out of the behind-the-scenes happenings of Don't Worry Darling, it seems like to
0: me. Well, you could have the Stepford Wives in the Manhattan Project. Uh, that mm-hmm. could be the story. So I don't know if that's quite an accurate <laughs> statement. But this is a bummer because WB needs to needs a win, right? Don't they need a win? And they have this $20 million budgeted film with this... A Star is Born release date at the end of September, early October. You know, this time where, you know, the, the first kids at college, they've had a couple of weeks to get to know each other and then they could go on dates <laughs> at, at this perfect <laughs> Time period. In, yeah, in you really cinemas. hung your
1: hat on that being, um, Don't Worry, Darling, being the date movie. The date movie saving the box office for that movie.
0: This will be the date movie of September. <laughs> Just go out, you damn kids. Go out to the movies, darn it. Don't see, bar- well, see Barbarian as well. Yeah. I and mean, apparently, there are test screenings for Barbarian screaming their heads off. So that'll be something else, but this this is going to make a profit. This is this movie's already ready to make some big bucks. We think maybe not crazy money, but it's already being projected to make twenty million plus in its opening weekend, and they're saying it could make up upwards to what A Star Is Born or Elvis did—thirty or forty million.
1: I think I genuinely, truly believe in my heart. This is just my opinion, but I think any awards chances for that movie. Uh, we saw be killed in real time last weekend. I know film Twitter isn't reality. I know Twitter in general isn't reality, but it really felt like this movie had the wind taking out of its sails, and it just feels like a toxic property right now, regardless of what it does, box office-wise.
0: All because of this swirl of weird gossip, like gossip that doesn't make sense to me. Like, we don't see Florence Pugh getting... Like, we see Florence Pugh getting shade somehow, but what did she do wrong other than the fact that she maybe not... Oh, I disagree
1: with that. I mean, that assessment to me is not what I've seen. There, Florence Pugh has a lot of people in her corner. I mean, what, what's unfair about no, this... No,
0: I'm in her corner, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, what has
1: what she done wrong? Like, what's...
0: Why Nothing. Is Florence nothing. Pugh she's gotten up. she's
1: she's come out of this smelling like roses. But oh. that's also what's been unfair about this, is that because everyone is in like so positively, so pro Florence Pugh, it's turned into this Olivia versus Florence thing, which is probably unfair to
0: Olivia Wilde. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Like, why are they pitting these two women against each other? Right. And Maybe that's where the misogyny like and the sexism. I mean, that's where the, all the yeah.
1: that conversation comes into play. If these were two men doing this. You know, it would it would be hyped up and embraced. It'd be so. Oh, we want to see that. It's so cool. Look at them yeah. big timing each other. Look at them, you know George Clooney exactly, headbutted. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the entire thing. That's why I led off this conversation with that headline because yeah. there is this underbelly of unfairness directed at Olivia
0: Wilde. Now, was she perfect on this? Is she blameless? I don't know. None of us know. We don't know. Right. But that's why it's unfair. Fascinating. I think perhaps we'll see. Uh, maybe you guys have heard more. Up till now, maybe there was a big food fight. That's what I picture when I picture comf- controversy. I picture a food fight uh, during the uh, <laughs> during the press conference. Might I did like
1: happened. puck having the headline of "Worry, Darling, Worry a Lot." That was
0: good. <laughs> Very good. All right, we let's move on from Venice to Telluride, Michael. We got uh, the schedule. It was released last minute. How would you like to f- be flying across the country? To Colorado. Matt
1: Neglia was in the air, I think, when this was yeah.
0: announced. When the thing gets released, I mean, I know that they get it early sometimes, but th- th- they don't know the schedule really. And I'm meticulous; I have to set my schedule months. I like, I, I have to. Yeah,
1: uh, you're, you're not the only one. The film criticism bunch does not strike me as somebody that uh, a group of people that's quite go with the flowish. But maybe this is Telluride right, thumbing their nose at the. Uh, the professionals in general, but all right, we know now there will be tributes to Kate Blanchett, smart move there, Sarah Polly, smart move there, and Mark Cousins. Cousins is a director and documentarian of two films at this year's Telluride, The March on Rome, and My Name is Alfred Hitchcock, which we have previewed here. Armageddon Time, Bardo, Bones and All, Broker, Close, Empire of Light, Holy Spider, Tar Woman Talking, and The Wonder. Those are
0: some notable Telluride titles, and as usual, they are premiering a bunch of documentaries as well. Yeah, there's a sequel to the Oscar-winning Icarus from Netflix called Icarus the Aftermath. There's a film called Senior, which is going to be a portrait of filmmaker Robert Downey Sr., uh, Iron Man's father, if anybody wondered. Imagine uh, if it was actually a documentary about Iron Man's father, though, and they just, like,
1: na- like they get people in the theater to- selling this Robert Downey the guy from Mad Men, yeah. But it's actually
0: just about the character Iron Man's father. <laughs> Something Stark, I guess. I'm guessing. Uh, there's a Compassionate Spy. Something Stark which will is a be great a great name, great title for that fictitious documentary, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. About, uh, a Compassionate Spy about uh, one of the scientists of the Manhattan Project. And then we have Merkel which will be about the German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Mm. Uh, Finally, we have If These Walls Could Sing, telling the story about Abbey Road Studios from filmmaker Mary McCartney, the daughter of Paul McCartney. Who Austin Butler told a heartwarming story about on...
1: Uh, a couple, I think. I think it was more than one of the late night talk shows when he was doing his rounds for Elvis about that's how he met Paul McCartney was that he's friends with the daughter and they shared a train together, the three of them. And he was able to talk to Paul about the Beatles meeting Elvis famously.
0: That's the kind of late night anecdote uh, that i want in yeah. life maybe i should watch one of those shows once once Just more embrace, perhaps once
1: embrace your geriatricness man it's but a beautiful you, no, life <laughs> all right look it. do you watch these live or do you watch clips no no morning? no on youtube on youtube I'm, I'm too busy binging whatever tv show late at night in the background of uh right. i've watched so many tv shows this year i'm only at like 40 or 50 movies it's sad
0: well i mean you're you're Not a man that likes to watch movies at home. We've established this much. You're not a man that likes
1: (laughs) the streaming game. Is not for me.
0: (laughs) You're not a man that likes to watch movies in one sitting. You like watch it for ten minutes. Pivot this podcast. I think. (laughs) I think. uh, I think you need to get out more. We're only doing
1: food and streaming television series from now on.
0: That's the new show. Well, here's. I tweeted about this. I didn't even put this in today's episode, but the Movie Pass guy. He's talking. Just enough sense. I saw you tweet this to make me think I might purchase something because obviously I have the AMC A list. Now is that all I need for my movie going consumption? Because no, I go to the art house film theater in in New Haven. I I gotta go to Milford once. I, I gotta go to these other theaters once in a while that are not AMC's. Mm-hmm. Is uh, uh, can I make myself enough Movie Pass fake profit in my brain to justify? a 10, 20 or 30 dollars subscription on a new model. Now what's the what's the upshot here? What's the sales pitch that he's got you roped in on? Well, he's like it's the hotels.com of it's the Expedia of the movie going industry. Like we're helping market these films, we're a discovery app, discovery apparatus for movie movie going. He wants and to sell seats that are not otherwise going to go on that are otherwise going to go unsold. Right at discount, okay. so go listen to the episode of the town where uh, Mister Bellany there interviews him. But yet, yeah, I was commenting on that uh, podcast episode and that interview is a long form interview. And Bellany's not soft on these guys; he goes hard. at I he's like, "This was bullshit five years ago. Yeah. Why is it not bullshit now?" I mean, that's the essential gist of the interview. And, and the guy Bellini had
1: is a, uh, is a lawyer's lawyer. I can tell from uh, when I listen to him.
0: He had quite the explanation, so he made his case for MoviePass being, at least this time, a subscription movie-going service that could potentially function. Now, I think he's leaving out perhaps, you know, some of the downsides of, you know, the whole credit apparatus. So I'm wondering about that. But maybe, maybe we got to partake and figure it out for ourselves. But I, I'm curious, at least, about MoviePass not being something that somehow steals my identity. To make a profit, or my yeah, that'd be good if they could avoid that this time around with the app. (laughs) No, no, they didn't do that last time. Or Or like withdrawing
1: funds after the app has been long declared dead. You know, if they could not do that to their. Right, they didn't do that
0: to me last time, but they right. apparently they did that to someone. Right. <laughs> and apparently it was made fun of by one of our friends of the pod, Brennan Lee <laughs> Mulligan. Anyway, Telluride is, of course, this weekend, so we'll be following all of these first reactions. So that list we just mentioned, all those big films, that'll be on the next Oscar race checkpoint. That will be the next Oscar race checkpoint. Basically us reacting to the reactions, doing our worst aggregating of the season but Mm -hmm. our best as well but and just getting frustrated
1: at all the highlights and well-meaning intentional you know (laughs) the nice niceties we don't like anyway we got another lineup michael stadler and waldorf at your service (laughs) yeah we're not done with film festivals the bfi's london film fest they also announced their full lineup there Uh, Very similar to TIFF, almost all the biggies are there, including a few notables like Glass Onion, The Sun, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not to be confused. (laughs) I should say the horror show that is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not to be confused with the horror show that is Disney Plus's Pinocchio, which is coming out soon on the app. She Said, The Whale, which is in both Pinocchios, I would mention. Uh, Causeway, My Policeman, and Nanny are all making an appearance at
0: BFI's London Film Fest. I also noticed a few unique films, uh, something that I... Like, try to do it when we do these film festival segments. All right, let's spotlight a couple that uh, catch my eye. And, Michael, Anne Oren has directed a fantasy film called, I think, Piaf. (coughs) And listen to the premise. When her sibling Zara suffers a nervous breakdown, the introvert Ava is forced to take on Zara's job as a Foley artist. Then a horsetail starts growing out of her body. you got to be fucking kidding me. I love film festivals. <laughs> I love them. You have got to be fucking kidding me. It's getting, Piaf is getting it's a special every pes- presentation. every year. It's every year. What Let's is go. this
1: industry's fascination with that animal?
0: <laughs> I didn't even think about that.
1: When is when is the last time we had a film festival circuit that didn't mention a goddamn horse movie?
0: I thought we would Arnold Apollo Creed handshake our for with our forearms over that premise, and I forgot that it's a horse tail. If it was an ox tail If it
1: was any other animal's tail, I'm for it. Yes. Ridiculous premise. Love it.
0: <laughs> Every year. Yeah. Here they come. They're coming. Right for the season, Michael. Right for our season. Christ almighty! (laughs) This is not a joke. Like, this
1: isn't for the podcast. And, like, I think it'll get laughs. I'm concerned. (laughs) Jesus.
0: Whatever. Let it go. Just let it go. No! You're never going to let it go. Why? Why I don't understand you. There are thousands of animals, many of
1: which are endangered and can use the spotlight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but no. it's a Well, it, it's just growing out of her body. You don't have to see the whole How do you, Where do you think the end game of that is, Mike? What do you think happens to that girl? <laughs> She's turning into a horse. Yes. <laughs> But it doesn't mean it's a horse movie. It's like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes! That's been well established anyone who disagrees is it, an idiot. I don't necessarily <laughs> think it has to be a Christmas movie. It's a movie set during Christmas. It's not a horse movie. It's just she turns into a horse at the
1: end of the movie. Which half hour long argument would you like to have right now? Because you can't muddle
0: both of them together. <laughs> snorting like a horse as I left like an idiot. Do I read the next present premise No, you? I got it.
1: There's also Alleluia, which I thought you <laughs> spelt wrong. Thank
0: you for that tone of voice.
1: <laughs> Dame Judy Dench, Jennifer Saunders, Jer- Derek Jacoby, Harry Potter's David Bradley in it. Alleluia is the story of a geriatric ward in a small Yorkshire hospital threatened with closure. The London Film Fest runs October 5th through the 16th. We're Mike shot.
0: Shot. Yeah, I'm just I'm so unhappy. I didn't read that. I did I genuinely I like- you won't read the next sentence because I have the word jockeying in it. <laughs> Subconsciously, you avoided it.
1: and with all the film festival news comes a lot of studio jockeying for release date real estate (laughs) in theaters and on streaming so to begin our oscar news segment here let's talk about a recent set of netflix announcements we'll get into our oscar news mike i i don't know how but i read this copy and i didn't read that premise so this (sighs) that was a 100
0: percent genuine
1: reaction from me
0: (laughs) that was really funny the movie's called Hallelujah! <laughs> and you are like, fucking horses. Like horses again. Horses. Dame Judy Dench, Really funny stuff. All right, God. A funny to one person. Yeah, the other person the on this too. phone call. That's what we work for here. <laughs> Oscar news. Let's get into Oscar news. And perhaps make most them laugh, notable make them laugh. this weekend is, or this week, we got the streaming leader, Netflix setting 35- and 42-day windows for White Noise and Bardo, respectively. It's got to be a tip of the hat to the directors, right? This is really interesting because I wonder if it's... Is this just like building a brand with New York and L.A., and then they expand like a platform? Are we getting a like a true wide release? We don't know that yet, but obviously you're right. Alejandro Gonzalez and Aritu, Noah Baumbach... They, they have the cachet to make some some some, some profits at, in, in theaters. They haven't said anything yet, Netflix, about Glass Onion's pre-Christmas th- theatrical play yet. Many have speculated that they might go for a wide release there. But this is a longer ramp-up, I believe, for Netflix than they've done in the past for their Oscar fair, Michael. It's either them
1: kowtowing to directors' desires or... They're just throwing a lot of stuff against the wall in the face of, I mean, we commented on there was a lot of panic within Netflix, or at least there was a ton of reporting about a decent amount of panic when Netflix's stock took its downturn and they had their first regression, negative regression, um, towards uh, losing subscribers, not hitting their numbers, not hitting their projections. So, yeah, this is a huge change that I wonder if otherwise wouldn't have happened if it was kind of status quo and
0: business as usual there. It's an experiment that doesn't cost them a lot, though, does it? I mean, you're going to have these movies come out and hit an audience on Netflix no matter what, but perhaps that there's like a month. I guess
1: it would depend on the distribution pricing. I mean, they've got to be the ones handling their own distribution, you would think, into these theaters, or so how many theaters are they cutting deals with?
0: And That's been a problem in the past, yeah. Yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, Netflix also set most of its 2022 streaming schedule for original films. We'll try to run that down quickly. So let's first catch you up on the early fall. September has two notable Oscar plays in it. Tyler Perry's A Jazzman's Blues. That's going to be on Netflix on the 23rd of September. And then, as we've already mentioned, the NC-17 Marilyn Monroe biopic Blonde. That's going to be debuting on the 28th of September.
0: Lots of strange buzz coming yeah, out is. for Blonde in Venice. We'll have to track that. Obviously, the Andrew Dominic quote is reverberating about. Of course, you want it to be NC-17, but Anna Diarmas has said about the you know bad. You know, she's been upset at the rating system. She said that many other films out there have been more explicit than this one, and this it's getting a bad rap. She doesn't like the rating, uh, but but yeah, we'll have to track the news for Blonde. I also you know heard in a podcast. I think it was Indie Wire that it's getting a strange it might be vanity fair still it's getting a strange release date time in venice after all the critics have kind of left for tiff michael so blonde hmm. you know not sending all the good signs or the flags or whatever something we've, uh, yeah
1: it was kind of an obvious movie to worry about pick for us and we were highlighting that early
0: on um but, Even though the marketing has been stellar. Yeah, I've gone back it. and
1: forth on it based on the marketing. So they've done a good job doing as as, well, as much as they can, I think. Well,
0: we'll move, move on to Netflix's Oscar October. That's a tongue twister there. Mm-hmm. But they do have an Oscar October with The Good Nurse. Heading to the streaming service on the 26th, uh, starring two Oscar winners and Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. There's All Quiet on the Western Front, set for October 28th. This is Germany's newly selected Best International Feature Player with, with Daniel Bruhl there. And then, of course, there's Wendell and Wild, Wilde, which we previewed at the beginning of the show. Uh, headed to Netflix also on the 28th with Key Peel, which we'd love to see as an animated feature contender.
1: Yeah, and maybe we're missing the boat. On Wendell and Wild too. October twenty eighth release date. Jordan Peele obviously attached as a performer and director and writer on it. And freaky visuals on the two clips. I mean, maybe this is a horror claymation movie. Let's uh, go. Halloween oh, release. Date. absolutely, absolutely. Couple November notables. We talked about The Swimmers coming out November twenty third. It's the buzzy Netflix title. Uh, we previewed it. We talked about the pre- the actual trailer for it earlier uh, in this episode. Uh, the big news was that we got
0: the December and January Netflix slate. Yeah, The Wonder is undated at the moment, but this is Florence Pugh, Kieran Hines. As far as I can tell, that's a best-selling novel. We've previewed it, been intrigued by it. Heading to a couple of film festivals, it's expanding its festival reach, so we'll wait to see... What's going on with The Wonder? We have My Father's Dragon, an animated feature contender, according to some of our friends like Andrew Morgan there. My Father's Dragon's going to hit select theaters in November, so I'm guessing it's reasonable to assume that it's going to get a, a December release. And then there's Lady Chatterley's Lover, which is playing a couple film festivals. Not confirmed, but I'm kind of guessing that's going to get dropped at some point. That's Netflix. My nickname in high school. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix doesn't. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily just put movies out so early. I mean, I guess they've done it before. No, I I take I I completely. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. Like five (laughs) movies jumped in my head. Five movies jumped in my head. Like, wait a minute, that premiered like two years earlier. Uh, yeah,
1: when they have do. At their disposal. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio hits Netflix on December 9th. Bardo, we've talked about, we've previewed. Uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iniritu, that's coming to Netflix on the 16th after a lengthy theatrical run that's going to begin on November 4th for the movie. So that's uh, supposedly has eyes on being a big awards player. Glass Onion, we've said, headed to Netflix for the holidays. That's going to hit on December 23rd.
0: Yeah, and newly announced we have White Noise hitting Netflix at the end of December the 30th after more than a month in theaters beginning November 25th. So White Noise with a large theatrical window there. And newly announced we have The Pale Blue Eye arriving on Netflix January 6th but with a qualifying Oscars theatrical run beginning on the 23rd. The Pale Blue Eye stars Christian Bale in this Edgar Allan Poe era adjacent. I think Edgar Allan Poe is a character in this murder or mystery from Scott Cooper. Of something furnace that he did with Christian Bale <laughs> out of out of the furnace out of the furnace <laughs> something furnace something, something stark something and the
1: sequel something furnace, furnace. Uh, we had a movie about a furnace a couple Netflix movies we talked about in our way too early Oscars <laughs> preview show that seem like they will not be debuting no longer in 2022 this always happens but these are movies that seem like they will be playing in Netflix in 2023 we knew about Rustin that's going to be mm-hmm. in 2023 we commented on the viral marketing and Oscar campaign precedents. For that movie a couple ORC episodes ago It right. doesn't look like Monkey Man Which is going to be Dev, Dev Patel's directorial debut Is going to be making an appearance this year Mike, you were low And were worried about the Potential of Spaceman The mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, Carry Mulligan vehicle I do not share your concerns. I had that as a potential player for a surprise Oscar category or two, but it doesn't look like that's coming out until next year either. Uh, As well, we can probably put The Killer from David Fincher on there. doesn't look like that'll be coming out in 2022 anytime soon.
0: But as far as my following all these release date real estate movements, we did have a couple theatrical entries into the schedule. The Sun is now coming out November 11th from Sony there. Nanny will be headed to, or coming from Amazon Studios to theaters on November 23rd. Uh, That was a film I liked at Sundance. And then The Whale got its release date of December 9th. We got more Oscar news, though, because Chris Rock says he has declined an offer from the Academy to host this year's Oscars in a report at The Hollywood Reporter from Tyler Coates. Uh, the article reads, During his show, Rock reportedly compared accepting the hosting gig to returning to the scene of a crime, referencing the murder trial of O.J. Simpson, whose ex-wife's killing began with her leaving a pair of eyeglasses as, at an Italian restaurant rock said d- returning to the oscars would be like asking nicole brown simpson to go back to the restaurant obviously nicole brown's family has come out against this yeah i would say so uh calling this chris rock's joke distasteful and in my dreams she followed up the sister followed up with a quote saying someone should slap him <laughs> oh god
1: uh you know it. it as far as the Oscars hosting gig go- though goes, currently it's a thankless job. We've commented on it a billion times yeah. before. We have, you know, we'd love to see somebody take hold of it and maybe have it be a long-term thing and turn the, really blow the Oscars out and turn it into, like, this March Madness type thing. We've, we have a whole episode talking about fixing the Oscars again that we kind of pitched our ideas for that for, but... Uh, Won't be Chris Rock, won't be this year. CEO Bill Kramer noted that they are committed to having a host on the show this year and are already looking at some key partners on that. He also emphasized that the slap will not be a topic of discussion or jokes at the next ceremony. That's a mistake to me. We want Mm. to move forward and to have an Oscars that celebrates cinema. That's our focus right now. He said that also from Tyler Coates of The Hollywood Reporter.
0: I mean, you can't not mention it. It should be like bodies, bodies, bodies before every new segment. You should slap the shit out of each other. (laughs) What are they doing?
1: It's going to be the biggest moment in Oscars history. You can't (laughs) not. I mean, you can't pretend it didn't happen. I think that's a huge mistake, especially. I I mean, who are you going to get as a host? It's going to be a comedian. You're going to tell a comedian, don't talk about the thing that makes us most famous right now. I think that's a mistake.
0: They're, they're, they're going to talk about it. Um, all right. So, quick industry news The House of the Dragon, we've been tracking the audience. We've been tracking all the WB Fallout. Increased its week two audience by barely anything, but still it increased it over 10 million for episode two. It was nearly 10 million for episode one. But uh, episode two was really good, Mike. And and I think you should watch it, and I know you will. I know you won't let me down on this front. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are also hoping to watch uh, The Rings of Power, and I look forward to our Rings of Power bonus mega-series that we will begin recording tonight at midnight (laughs) after watching all the elves and dwarves and hobbits and orcs of Middle-earth. No horses on that show, I'm pretty certain, (laughs) but uh, sing their songs and fight their foes in tonight's merriment. I I thank you for embarking on this unexpected journey with me, Michael. (laughs) Uh, For this new episode of Mike, Mike and Orkster, you came up with that name, you dork, (laughs) but you're the best. I I appreciate it.
1: I'm sitting here with my head in my hands, just waiting for this paragraph to end.
0: I've been through a lot this episode. (laughs) Damn it. If only Uh, box office update. Are you seriously excited to watch that? Yes, I'm going to watch it as soon as I get home tonight at, like, 9 o'clock. If there's a After. god in heaven, that <laughs> show sinks Amazon. <laughs> it's going to be the heaven's gate of Amazon. <laughs> Nobody gets their packages brings anymore. It's Jeff Bezos. There's <laughs> just Jeff Bezos in a friggin' elf costume, bankrupt. <laughs>
1: Like it's so offensively bad that people can't order off Amazon anymore. It's getting
0: good reviews. People like it.
1: I expect it to be great. I hope it's great for all you people out there that love the Lords of the Lord of the Rings lore. I the just Lords, can't. it's just not of my the thing. ring.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not your thing. Uh, it's an unfortunate because it should be everybody's thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to let everyone
1: down again.
0: The box office update should just be like a f- uh, It's just somebody going into a kitchen and dropping all the dishes can you get that sound effect here
1: <laughs> i can't box
0: office update but why because <laughs> <Psh, laughs> nothing made money last week it was a disaster and september's going to be worse according to box office Burgerman at IndieWire. tom bergerman friend of uh, the show uh, at least in my dreams we yeah, just in our minds right now yeah. yeah anyway uh pvod had a good week apparently at home there's seven releases on almost all of the top 10 charts so that shows that somebody made money somewhere in the industry and it seems like the uh the distributors and the studios are pretty happy with how things did on pvod and uh bergerman says it's not looking any better for september might be a rough month and he's got some quotes to leave off lead off his article here, Michael, to prove it. it.
1: He said in most years September has the lowest box office grosses of any month and twenty twenty two will be no different. What is different this year, September could be the first month of twenty twenty two that might be worse than twenty twenty one. Our pessimistic August projection was five hundred and fifty million all in. This month will gross about four seventy million. Our estimate for September twenty twenty two is less than three hundred million. September twenty twenty one was three hundred and sixty seven million. That from bruggeman
0: So, yeah, go read the rest of Tom's article at IndieWire. And if you are a fan of Devil's Advocacy, maybe you can, you know, hope counter to what is being projected right now because we got some cool movies coming in September. Barbarian, Woman King, Don't Worry Darling, See How They Run. Negley and Company at Next Next Best Picture. Really love See How They Run there. I've heard a lot of hype for the David Bowie film from Neon, Moonage Daydream. Then you have Pearl. Uh, you should do an X and Pearl double feature there, my I friend. I watched X finally. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. It was good. What'd you think? I liked it. I liked it. Mia Goth is, is fantastic, but good, cool premise. Interesting. I was a little let down by the twist or I guess lack thereof, but yeah, not bad.
0: Yeah. It's just kind of
1: straightforward, yeah, isn't it? It is. I, was
0: the, I felt the same way. I was like, where? Oh, this is that's it? Yeah. Okay. Pretty yep. much.
1: But well acted. Right. Well done. Well, well shot. Really kind of like a throwback. Ty West, you could tell he was raised on those 70s, you know, uh, Uh, gory horror movies because the way he moves the camera and zooms out with long shots to make you feel isolated and stuff it was really throwback filmmaking so I appreciated that
0: well we got Pearl at the end of the month and we got bros at the end of the month so we're hoping that uh, we'll get some overperformance somewhere from September at the box office let me play devil's advocate for you September could be a huge month for Top
1: Gun Maverick huh right I mean this thing's still making five million dollars a a week at the domestic box office, if people want to go to the movies but don't want to see anything new, if Top Gun Maverick is still out there in their
0: local theater... Well, I guess you could want to see Top Gun Maverick at your local theater instead of wanting to see it at home because it's such a cinematic film right. still, right. right? And if you can do it for $3, like you can do this Saturday... And if you're addicted to the cinemas Cinema theaters, Yeah, I mean... <laughs> September third, three dollar movies. Yeah,
1: the movie's
0: gonna just never leave. It's just gonna keep making money forever, forever. It's everything's gonna turn back into the nineteen seventies again. Never mind the eighties. <laughs> I wish it would turn back to the eighties in, in very few ways, but a few definitive ways. I wish Lean it would go back, back to the
1: eighties. Reaganomics. No, I'm
0: <laughs> <laughs> not saying that. And I'm gonna agree with the sentiments of White Noise. I've already predis I'm predispositioned to this anyway, but I. I would like I would like Top Gun to make keep making money. Good. I'm in. I'm in for that. I agree. Well, that's the high. Let's get to a low
1: and start wrapping up here. Uh, (laughs) Quick, make the case. But you did see 3000 years of longing. We teased your review of it at the top of this episode, which felt like two days ago at this point. But Mike, what did you think about 3000 years of longing?
0: I don't really want to pile on because I know the movie's already a flop. Mm-hmm. It only made $2 million On a the box $60 million
1: office. budget. Yeah, rough.
0: What a disaster. Like Th- that The is... marketing was bad for it, though. But that is like throwing a dirty diaper into a spinning fan. Yeah. Disaster. Yeah. That is just okay. terrible. Thank and... you for the visual. Yeah. three thousand Years of Longing is just this big, s- smelly... <laughs> explosion of feces <laughs> in terms of its financial <laughs> no you're output. in it now you have to keep going smelly <laughs> sleepy look 3,000 years of long, you put me to sleep I've fallen asleep three times at a movie theater alright I've fallen asleep for uh, Sahara that was with Matthew McConaughey but that was a college hangover thing that was the first time that I can remember falling asleep I fell asleep at Cats that you and I somehow How? convinced each other. I fell asleep. I was like, weren't you scared? <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep at cats and now I've fallen asleep at 3000 years of long. I didn't fall asleep for long. I, I felt every other second of this runtime <laughs> because it was so boring. Like I just, I don't like flashback centric narratives. And this is like this boring conversation in bathrobes between Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba As characters that should be much more, much more uh, just entertaining, (laughs) I guess. Why are we just there with them? And he tells this long, boring story that we know the ending to. He was in a genie bottle for 3,000 years. I get it, my friend. I get it. Like, there's some asinine reason you got to tell me that you're in the bottle for 3,000 years and this is how it happened, and... I guess he didn't – for a movie about a narratologist, somebody who studies stories, this movie was not a good story because you basically have two-thirds of it in flashback talking about Idris Elba, and then the the third act rests on Tilda Swinton's character, who you really didn't do anything to characterize up until that point other than the fact that she's got one scene on the stage – And she's got once she's got a couple scenes in transit like we don't get to know the character that has to drive home the film. So it's like I had to go to Starbucks after the movie just to not fall asleep on the drive home. I was like fearing for my myself. I had to get caffeinated. So
1: I have a couple thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, One is that you're telling me it would have been a better experience if they just played the Christina Aguilera song for 90 minutes. Genie in a bottle.
0: I would have watched that music video for 90 minutes. Remember that when you were kids? (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) Uh, That and Dirty. Yeah. Um, That was impressionable mm -hmm. on the both of us. The
1: second thought I have is I don't like when I say a movie makes me lose interest and when I dock at points for doing so, it's because I do fall asleep in every movie theater. And that's a me problem, and I understand that, and it's not for long. And I well, you're heavily and come medicated, back. yeah. I, I am, that's true, too. <laughs> but, but that's like my standard for how I know a movie was good enough to hold my interest, is if I don't fall asleep. So just to give the listener a background of where we both come from when you criticize how I'm too harsh on movies, that's like the baseline for me. A B
0: keeps me awake. <laughs> you're a sleepy, sleepy Mike. <laughs> um, Michael. Did you sleep during Samaritan you know or did what's funny you finish about watching? Samaritan. It? So here's the little background on Samaritan for you. Mm-hmm. I texted
1: Mike and said, Hey, I just started Samaritan and I'm probably going to stop Samaritan in about 10 minutes. And then Mike mm-hmm. said it wasn't good.
0: And then I. S- I, I did that, oh, hold on. Yeah. I did it in a Sylvester Stallone impression. Didn't you read that? Oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, that didn't come across in the text. It bad. Okay,
0: <laughs>
1: good. Um, but as soon as you said that I, I just turned it off I didn't watch it I did not watch it at all So I didn't even watch it The 10 minutes that I thought it was I just
0: Your uh, your your review carried weight there with me Is that what you want from me When you te- send me these text messages? I you don't... want me to tell you If it's good or bad Because I, sometimes I don't know Sometimes you get very angry When I tell you something about a movie
1: Yeah well you you said Barry season 3 was bad And I thought Barry season 3 was excellent That's uh, something else I just binged recently Oh so, good Like there's, there, there right. is a history of I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I just like to keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't like Barry season. I didn't like the acting in it.
0: I thought That's it was great. I, like.
1: I really thought it was great. Terrific stuff. I mean, Bill Hader. I didn't know he can get that dark.
0: You've been wrong before. Right? Very think, true. Uh... Very very true. <laughs> not gonna. You know, well, you know what I did rewatch? You know what I did rewatch? Mister Malcolm's List. You know, honest to God, I almost hit play on that. Six dollars, why not? Geeker just to Street. be just adorable. to shock you for this moment, but I didn't. It, it. It's not great, let's mm. be clear. But it's fun, it's very, it's beautiful to look at. First of all, why did beautiful you do people. that? Why what, uh, do you think you're the only person on
1: earth who has watched that movie twice now?
0: <laughs> I know for a fact I am not, okay. and you're I know the, also mom person. has watched it <laughs> <Yeah>. twice. <laughs> We watched it on Sunday evening, and then apparently she watched it again sometime on Monday night. Because mm. I bought it for her. I'm at,
1: still dragging my feet on my full review for Thirteen Lives out of fear for what also mom will do to me.
0: Look at you you're you're mostly positive about Thirteen Lives. I, li- though. You- I liked it.
1: It's it's a it's a good watch. I think there is absolutely merit to watching. I don't know that it's an Oscar worthy film, but it's a good movie. It's probably Ron Howard's best movie since A Beautiful Mind for me.
0: Well, I mean, this is basically my review of Barry season three. Your review of 13 lives. Same thing. What? (laughs) You were negative. (laughs) I just said I like something. All right. But uh, this is how I hear it. This is how also mom's going to hear it. How dare you? How dare you take what my mother loves and throw it up to her face? No, I mean you liked the you liked the movie. You said you told me yeah. you liked the movie. Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. I mean you were you're spot on. It's you know So why don't you go back and edit out the part that and just say it's winning best picture?
1: Thirteen just, Lives
0: Vote for it's, weird before I vote. Do for this for me. Lives. Do this. Tell her it's winning best picture. The weird Please. Al story is gonna win best picture <laughs> before Thirteen Lives wins best picture. Do you realize how much shit I'm about to get because of you right now? I'm just going to get. I, does she have your phone number? I'm going to give her your phone number. <laughs> this is not my doing. All I did was. She's going to shoot the shit out of the messenger mm-hmm. right now. Good. It's not my fault. Good. You watched the movie that she loved and didn't love it, also, but you liked it. This is what I. But mom, this is what I deal with every day with him. <laughs> he just can't love. He just. Me? He's the Grinch. Ehrlich and Owen Lieberman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All we want is the greatest thing we've ever seen.
0: <laughs> uh, unless uh, it's episode. a horse movie. Unless it's a horse movie.
1: Absolutely loaded. And uh, we get punch drunk when we deal with too much information. And I think that proved itself to be true once again today. But <laughs> what's important to us as always, dear listener, are your thoughts and your takes on Are you excited for these film festivals? What did you expect to see playing there? What are you surprised that is not playing at any of these film festivals? Telluride, Venice, the London Film Festival, etc. Let us know all that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can, as always, leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at mm and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we're available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify apps, if you would be so kind to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, those truly do help us out a ton. Thank you very much to all of you who have done so thus far, or on any listening app. I get uh, updates through our emails about people who are subscribing and listening and liking us on apps that, I'll be honest, I didn't even know we were enrolled, or at least I don't remember enrolling us in. I know I've enrolled us in a ton of things. So hopefully we are everywhere
0: that you do listen to podcasts. And if not, the, let us know. Uh, the internet is a magical and wondrous place. Yeah, I'll <laughs> say nothing different ever.
1: Again. <laughs> that could be words of wisdom if you want them to be. But let's have uh, a, what's coming next from us. I'm
0: gonna go with something else. <laughs> go with something else. Uh, if a horse tail is grown out Son your of butt, a bitch. <laughs> maybe see your see your physician.
1: <laughs> you know, there was a at UConn there was a girl who walked around with a squirrel tail hanging out of her pants, and she was like famous. Like Did you hear the stuff
0: about the kids who pretend or, or I can't even say it like that. They're they're cats. What? The cat kids.
1: Just I'm just kids saying are cats
0: kids who are cats. God they're called them. furries. Oh, fur- I know what furry. Yeah. I mean, furries used to be people who had fetishes for like mascots. Right. Right. But now furries are like kids in classrooms rooms that they they are cats. Live and let live, man. Go cat it up. Sure. What do I care? What do I care? (laughs) What do we care? Let them be cats. Yeah. Let them be singing. There's the words of wisdom for today. Let the kids be cats. (laughs) What's coming next? We have obviously a ton still to follow. This was a teaser episode for Venice. We got Telluride. Next week is going to be a big week. It may take two episodes of reacting to the reactions for us to react to. And then we'll have an episode reacting to our reactions, Uh, and then we'll have another episode about the rings of power. I can't wait.
1: (laughs) There's no way anybody made it this far into this episode, is there?
0: We're gonna do a film study on thirteen lives. (laughs) Just you and me, featuring a special guest (laughs) that I'm related to. (laughs) I mean, that's gonna be your penance. It's
1: objectively, I was yelling, I was full throat yelling about the horse movies like thirty minutes ago.
0: It happened. It happened on the show. I don't know what else happened. What was said? When reality sucks, if you're still here, you can come. <laughs> Get
1: ready for the Oscar sprint by going through all these festivals with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.